I'm Katie, mom to two littles and four angel babies. And I'm Sarah, an advocate for moms and children of all backgrounds and family types. With two PhDs between us and collective decades spent unraveling how society shapes women's experiences, we're here to shred the rule books and their relentless tide of expectations. In this safe space, the complexities of motherhood find the candid, unfiltered voice. We're Undefining Motherhood, one conversation at a time. Last week, we learned from New York Times bestselling author Eve Rodsky how to get started rebalancing the load of domestic labor in our homes. Eve's systems have changed my life, and slowly, they're helping me find more time and space to gift to myself. These are rare moments in the early years of motherhood that can feel impossible to find sometimes, but Eve's data shows how essential they are to our own health, well-being, and sense of self. And she helps us learn how to make them accessible, even during those busiest seasons. The antidote to burnout, Eve tells us, is being consistently interested in your own life. Sit with that for a minute. Can you imagine what it would feel like to be consistently interested in yourself and the life that you live every day? If you can, this episode will help you dig deeper into what that can look like for you in a way that's fulfilling and supportive of your larger values. But if you're like most moms I know and you can't even begin to imagine that, then listen up, friend. This episode is especially for you. It's short, poignant, and one of the most needed conversations we've had in a very long time. Your life is about to change, and I'm so thankful to get to be a small part of it. I want to get to unicorn space, um, and I think the way to get there is by talking about what you're talking about right now. And I think for our parents, um, our listeners who are parents, our listeners especially who are postpartum, what you're talking about is what you have called toxic time messages. And I would love to talk about that a little bit, these messages that we either hear from our partner, um, well, you're the better multitasker or, you know, whatever it is. Or I um, should spend my time. Exactly. And also the toxic time messages we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk about, hear you talk about that just a little bit um, and how we can overcome some of those. And then another one that it makes me think of, because you're talking about the financial gap, one thing that I talk about a lot is sleeping in shifts when you have a newborn. Um, And that doesn't work for every family. There's no perfect system that works for every family, but it works for the vast majority of families that I have seen who are dedicated to making it work. Um, And one piece of pushback I often hear to that is, well, I mean, we don't even have paid maternity leave in this country, so let's not even get started on paternity leave, right? And how much we're not supporting either parent and we're not supporting the women by not giving them the support of their male partners if they're in hetero relationships. So one thing I often hear is, well, my husband can't take a nighttime shift because he has to go to work the next day and all I have to do is be here with the baby because I'm on maternity leave. All so I, I would to love do. to hear you talk about these time messages and that particularly to help get some of our moms who might be feeling a little reticent um, and coming up with some of these messages in their heads. How do we move past that so we can actually start creating time and helping ourselves? Absolutely. Well, I, again, um, this is why the secret formula from the beginning, we're like back full circle. 
I wish it was just systems. And again, that's why I said, I, Sarah, I could learn from the queer community because systems were adopted and it was so beautiful. But for the heterosis gender couples, it's boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem is that when women are told their entire lives that they're only supposed to be three things, which are parents, partners, and maybe professionals, if we only do the other two things well, mm-hmm. we already are breaching our own boundaries. So of course, we're not going to insist that someone take a night shift for our child, right? We're not going to um, insist on anything. Because as we said earlier, we're going to resort to four messages, which is one, my partner makes more money than me, or my job is more flexible, or I'm on maternity leave. So I can't ask my partner for anything. Now that is incredibly toxic, Mm -hmm. because if you don't set those patterns up front, as Katie and Sarah were just talking about, you're going to spend the rest of your life dismantling them. It does not matter who makes more money or whether there's a job. These are short-term issues. You get in the habit of sharing the workload now. If it's not nighttime, sure, fine. You don't want to do night shifts? Then this is what I want your partner to do. I want him to learn and perfect how to boil and clean the pump parts of your your pump. Mm -hmm. I want your partner to perfect knowing uh, what the baby would need for their, maybe their purees, you know, as they start to eat, introduce solid foods, as well as your meal expectations for either when you're breastfeeding or not, and your partner's meal expectations and be responsible for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I want that partner to take over the full responsibility for laundry. Because these are all things that can happen and doesn't have to happen in the middle of the night. So if you think middle of the night is the only thing you have to talk about, fine. If that's contentious, take it off the table. Bring up other fair play cards that can happen at someone else's timetable. So laundry, meal planning, dishes, boiling those pump parts, those are all things that can be done if middle of the night. But we have to start those early so we don't breach our boundaries. Now, I want to just say something really important about boundary breaching. It has to do with guilt. Mm -hmm. If we don't understand guilt... We're never going to be able to set a boundary. Now, Dr. Becky, um, a good friend Mm -hmm. of mine, and I talk very similarly about the issues of guilt. So I want to give you her example because I think it's a really beautiful one that I love always. She talks about guilt and she talks about sort of this idea of a tennis ball and this idea that I will only allow you out there from now on, especially you, Katie and Sarah, but your listeners too, to say you feel guilty If the thing you feel guilty about is out of alignment with your values. So I'll say that again. Guilt is only an emotion that is when you are out of alignment with your values. So what do I mean? You are allowed to feel guilty if you yell, as Dr. Becky says, to your cab driver for not getting you to the airport on time. Because that is not in alignment with your values to yell at somebody who is trying to help you. However, when you ask your partner to handle dishes... When you go to a hotel room to recover for mental health breaks, you are not allowed to feel guilty because that is not out of alignment with your values. Your values, and I know all of you listeners, are going to have in them taking care of my mental and physical health so I don't die. Yes. That is going to be a value that I'm going to impute to you. Part of being in alignment with your values is having an equal partner or somebody who can support you. That is what a partnership is. That is what you expect in marriage. So you cannot feel guilty for asking for these things because actually it's not guilt. So what is it instead? It's anticipating other people's discomfort. Mm -hmm. 
So the reason why we're not asking for that night, oh, I can never ask because my partner has to wake up in the morning, is because we are anticipating that when we ask that person, they're going to feel uncomfortable with that ask or roll their eyes or say, are you insane? Are you kidding? That is not guilt. That is us internalizing and breaking our boundaries. Mm -hmm. So like the tennis ball, you throw that shit over the net and you keep it there. But that is not guilt. To maintain a boundary, we have to get comfortable with other people being uncomfortable with us and uncomfortable with our ass and sticking firm in those. And I think that that is one of the really, really important things I learned in this fair play journey that has changed my life. To understand the difference between guilt and other people's discomfort. This episode is sponsored by Genate by Snip Therapeutics, providing genetics-powered nutrition tailored for every stage of the fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum journeys. Navigating pregnancy and motherhood comes with its uncertainties, but the Genate test gives moms a level of control over their own and their baby's health that they've never had before. It's more than just a simple cheek swab at home. It's a window into understanding your body's unique nutritional needs. Their tests made me feel so empowered. Not only did I learn I don't process folate or choline as effectively as some people, but I also learned what to do about it, what daily values I need compared to standard prenatal recommendations, what additional nutrients could help me absorb the ones that were harder for me, how to choose the best foods or supplements depending on my lifestyle to make sure I was getting what I needed. Their test isn't just a scientific breakthrough, it's a personal journey to better health for you and your baby. It's empowering to have this level of insight. Every mother deserves this kind of personalized care. Learn more at undefiningmotherhood.com forward slash genate and use code undefining10 for 10% off. You know, these boundaries are, they're so hard to set because we worry about other people's discomfort. But especially if you are in the stage where you're having children, there is nothing more important that you can do for your own and your family's sake and safety and your children's sake and safety um, than to be able to set and hold boundaries. So that's, that's amazing. And you're getting us to thinking then about taking back control of some of our time asking for some of the time we need. And so, of course, then we have to talk about what we do with that time, how we find it in, you know, obviously, if we're implementing fair play systems, then we're going to have more time than before we were implementing those systems. And you have some really beautiful ideas about what we can do with that time that I think is essential for moms to hear, especially essential for new moms to hear, although it might sound unattainable. I think it's really, I, I'm, I'm not even going to go into it. I'm just going to let you tell us, like, when it comes to being versions of ourselves who, that actually feel like ourselves, when it comes to mental and physical health outcomes that you are seeing Tell us what you're finding about that time and the importance in making it and what it can look like, because it's beautiful. Well, thank you. And it's very strange that I wrote a book about creativity as a follow-up to a book about systems in the home, but it actually came out of the data that we were finding where we were tracking women from 2012 to now. Um, And what we saw with those women, if they were women who decided to go back in the workforce and work for pay... Um, And they also were holding and shouldering 
two-thirds or more of the fair play cards. We were able to follow up with those women um, a decade later. And, and unfortunately, what we're seeing, if those women haven't changed those dynamics, they are sick, physically sick, mentally sick. And what I mean by that, I mean insomnia disorders, SSRI use through the roof, um, autoimmune issues, uh, thyroid stuff going on, cancer diagnoses. It was pretty dire out there. And so if we think we're going dark to go light, because there is a, like, as we said, the secret formula of boundary systems and communication, this book, Unicorn Space, this term is about boundaries. It's about finding that space that's like a unicorn, right? It's magical, but it doesn't fucking exist. But we're here to help you reclaim it, right? To make it real. And why it's so important is because, again, as the ghost of your Christmas future, I'm not going to allow you out there to get sick. And unfortunately, there's so many um, false narratives about what we need to be healthy, including, you know, the next sleepy girl mocktail or whatever, skincare. you know, I, I don't know, you know, skincare, um, whatever, you know, Ozempic. But, but at the end of the day, really, the only thing I can tell you in terms of like what an antidote to burnout can look like, it's not that walk around the block. It's not that, you know, going to get on a girl's trip once a year, it's being consistently interested in your own life. Mm -hmm. That is it. And if you don't, aren't, right, I get it. But we can't have a passion gap that lasts too long. We have to build that in before you have children and understand that this has to happen as a practice, even when life feels really overwhelming. I love that you're focusing on women's interiority, mm -hmm. right? Like we're so public facing and we're so, we have so many roles that are nurturing and guiding, but this is all about what goes on here, right? And I think we'd be mm -hmm. remiss, especially as English people, if we didn't say that, that women have been shouting about this for a long time, right? right. If you think about Virginia Woolf's A Room of One's Own, she says, right? Yes. We yes, need this. Yes. We need time. We need money. And we need A Room of One's Own if we are to be happy and truly productive in this world, um, we just need to not be needed for, you know, a yes. good half hour, right? Yes. Well, and, you know, you talk about that in terms that I think are so accessible in unicorn space. You talk about it as sort of the internal drivers and the external yes. drivers. Yes. And what is it that is driving you to do this thing that you're reclaiming as your space, you're reclaiming as your own. And I'd like to maybe elaborate on this space just a little bit more because one, we want it to be internally driven. We want it to be something that we feel compelled to do with our time that brings us joy, not what we feel like we're supposed to be doing with that time. You know, because we're bad at shooting ourselves, but we also, society is very bad at shooting us. And yes. so we want to break down yes. both of those things. So we're internally driven here. But then also you use the word creativity, but then you break it down in unicorn spaces in a way that I think makes it feel much more accessible. Because unicorn, as you said, it doesn't exist. It's not real. But we're making it real. Creativity sounds great. But when you're bogged down and you don't have any time and you don't even remember your own interests, what, how are you going to get creative? I've yep. never been a painter. So will you tell us just <laughs> a little bit about that framework? Because it becomes so much more attainable and concrete with the words that you use and the specific acronym that you talk about. Well, I, what I love about what you're asking is actually, it just sort of prompted me to feel like maybe we just play a quick game, you know, as we wrap yeah. up, right? This 
it's sort of homework for your listeners. Um, and this will sort of explain what we're talking about here. Exactly. This is not about creativity as you have to be a painter. The other thing besides shooting ourselves, I noticed um, in my data was that women are obsessed with nouning themselves. Mm. So they say like, I'm not a painter. I'm not a creative. Um, I'm not a, a mathematician. I'm like, who said you need to be like a mathematician or a painter or a creative? Like, can you practice math? Can you be somebody who paints a painting? So I like to say verbify your life. It makes it much oh, I easier. Love that. Um, we got to stay out of the nouns. So this, but I thought it would be fun. So Sarah, let's practice. Okay, I'm ready. I'm going to um, give you 50 choices. These are all unicorn spaces that were from our data reported to us along the way. So some of them are funny and cool. And I'll explain to you what we're going to do with this exercise, but not in advance. We'll just go through step by step because I want your listeners to do the same with us. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to just pick a card that's resonant with you. So I'm going to read you 50 choices and you're going to just pick something that's popping out in your mind. And please don't make it something that you say you return to when you're a 10, because I think that's terrible advice. Like we all have to like go back to what we loved at 10. At 10, I was caring for a disabled brother in a single mom house and I was, people were like hitting me in the face in dodgeball. Right. So I loved nothing <laughs> back then. Um, just something that right now is appealing to you. Okay, I'm going to read you the cards and then we're going to explain the journey we ask everybody to embark on, especially when their kids are little, when you may not have a ton of time, but you can still keep this at the at the front of your mind. Okay, here we go. 50 cards. Don't yell out until you hear them all. Genealogy and lineage. Otherworldly pursuits. Tarot, astrology, and magic. That's been mine recently. Research and learning. Finding, collecting, and foraging. That could be mushrooms, antiques. Event planning. Coding and engineering. Design. Writing. Fashion. Language and anthropology. Games. Teaching. Health and wellness. That's not just a cell cycle class. That's like teaching, you know, teaching Pilates. Video games, math and sciences, storytelling, sports with wheels, animals, performing, martial arts, dance, rhetoric, that's speech and debate in politics, snow sports, sports with balls, theater and production, triathlon, racing, memories and archiving, but not from a should perspective, because that's something you love to do, like scrapbooking, running, Circus, outdoors, water sports, travel and culture, cooking, restoration and renovation, building and DIY, arrows and axes, gardening and farming, florals, photography, pottery, woodworking, music, spiritual wellness, beauty, that's not just like dyeing your hair, that's like the TikTok tutorials, <laughs> metallurgy, stitching and needles, arts and crafts, and or baking. I would guarantee that mine and Katie's are the same. You think? Yeah. Actually, mine's not what I thought it was going to really? be. Okay. I mean, I had a few that resonated, yeah. but... All right. Just give me one. one. The one that's literally that jumped out the most for you. Writing. Okay. So the first question that your listeners are going to ask themselves with Sarah as our model um, is one, why? Why did you pick writing? Tell me. I think it's the time that I feel most myself. Um, and then when I go back and read things that I've written in my journal um, or poems that I've written, I know exactly who I was in that moment. And it's really helpful for me to hmm. kind of understand what I was thinking and feeling at that time. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love that so much. It's beautiful. Okay. So we're going to picture you reading a poem to like a small poetry class. And All right, just went you're up. very <laughs> proud of that poem, right? Um, I want to know if you're presenting your poem that you've workshopped. To a group, maybe it's, 
you know, at a poetry slam or at in front of your a workshop you're part of. I want to know what values, when you think of yourself in that moment, we're going to come up with five values for you, and Katie can help, that that would bring up for you. Um, one of the values I heard was a return, mm-hmm. sort of this return to your identity or, or some sort of, I love that that word, like some sort of return. So I'm going to give you that as a value, like knowing who you were at a certain time, like the re- return and reflection, which we never do as a society. So besides return and reflection is the value I'm giving you. Uh, can you give me some more that you think about when you, like some values that would stand out to you? Because sure. this is the hard part. This is why Sarah's our model. We can always say why, but it, when we get to the next level of what five or six values it connects to, this is the harder part. Okay, keep going. Um, honesty. I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think that poetry is really raw and honest, um, and it doesn't take other people's feelings into account, like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. There, there can't be guilt, right? If it's honest and it aligns with your values. We said return, reflective, uh, interior. It's vulnerable. Mm. I think vulnerability yep. would definitely be vulnerable. Yes. Vulnerability. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I think the sharing of yeah, that vulnerability, sure. the, sharing, the yes. community, the way people feel That's a really seen and validated yep. and Heard. open yep. and incur- yeah, by witnessing vulnerability. Oh, I love that so much. It's so beautiful. That's a great exercise. Okay. Yeah, That's a great list. So I'm going to read it back to you. Um, I just love this openness. Okay. So these are the values that I distilled it to from what you said. Return and reflection, honesty, vulnerability, sharing and community and connection around like openness and, you know, sort of vulnerable connection. But I'll keep connection as separate. So we have return and reflection, honesty, vulnerability, sharing and community and connection. That's the level that I want you, Sarah, to practice. Not necessarily the writing. That level. And the way you do it with an accountability partner, say it's Katie, is that you write those values. I'm handing them back to you um, on a mirror in your journal. And you get to say to yourself every week, did I get to practice mm-hmm. reflection this week? Did I get to practice honesty this week? Did I get to be vulnerable this week? Did I get to share and be a part of a community this week? Did I get a chance to feel connected this week? And I want those to, you know, also to be outside of just paid work. Mm-hmm. So you may say, yeah, I connected with a million people this week so my work. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this reflection, honesty, vulnerability, sharing and community and connection that's the level. If you remember those values, and they can change, you can do the exercise as many times as you want, but you take those values, and especially in young motherhood, mm-hmm. if you keep those on your mirror and you practice one of those a week, I promise you it'll be a lot easier when you have more time later on. Mm-hmm. And it will help keep you connected with yourself in a time when it's very easy to lose yourself. Okay. Um and mental health outcomes are always a question and something that's scary and remaining connected mm-hmm. with yourself, even in the smallest increments that you can, or a big step toward helping that. So, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's also generative. Absolutely. And think about it. Think about like sitting in a baby group. I remember, and I was like, what am I doing here? The leader was just telling us a million different bottles we could buy and What if we just like said, you know, during your sharing time and everyone else is talking about like what diaper bag they want, you just bust it out and you're like, actually, I wrote a poem last (laughs) night 
um, that is vulnerable and open. And I'd like to recite it to you all. Does anybody have any reactions to my poem? Like that. that is not yes. the types of things that we're talking about in early motherhood when people are trying to force us to pick a diaper bag and ask us like what we're doing in the weekend. Like things are become very superficial, very early on when we have kids because it becomes really all about the transactions of that child. Mm -hmm. And so bringing it back to your values, mm. even in provocative ways, is really, really fun. Oh, that's amazing. Just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Eve. Thank you so much for joining us, Thank you. for your wisdom, for that game that yeah. I hope everyone yeah. is playing. Jump into our comments. Tell us, you know, what's what's face jumped out at you, what values are standing behind them. I, I know this community is going to have a lot of values around community and vulnerability. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm so grateful to you for bringing to the world the messages that you are um, and for bringing, taking the time to come into this space and to speak with us and our listeners. Um, your work has been truly life-changing for me. Um, and I hope that we're just introducing it to so many people who are going to have the same experience. Yeah. We love you. Thank you. Yes, Thank so you, much. Katie. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Undefining Motherhood podcast. It's been an honor to share this time with you. Remember, you're not just a listener. You're an essential part of our community. If today's conversation resonated with you, I have three simple requests for how you can help us grow. First, subscribe wherever you listened so you don't miss an episode. Second, we'd love it if you could leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast as that's one of the most important ways we can grow and share our message and community. And finally, we'd love to hear from you. Jump over to Instagram and find us at Undefining Motherhood where you'll see a post about this week's episode where we can continue the conversation. Thank you for being a part of the Undefining Motherhood community where together we're making change. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other.